0: You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotron.com/agony. slash agony.
1: All right, so uh, to me there's a lot of interesting things going on here, uh, both are high fantasy writers but it's kind of interesting I was just talking about Linda who has a uh, Chinese background and yet her story is like this classic European thing and and, and, uh, um, Daniel Fox or or, uh, Chaz is set in the Chinese Emperor some kind of a mythical emperor, right? a mythic-
2: completely mythical, oh, a totally yes.
1: mythical emperor. So, a lot of crossovers. But anyway, let me just ask a couple of questions to get going on this. Can you tell us how you got from you were you were involved in literature, you were done in publishing, and then someone in journalism? But at what point did you decide to write a novel? How did that happen?
3: Well, um, I, I, I've actually always been writing fiction um, when right. I was. A teenager, I actually wrote three fantasy novels. Yay! And uh, this is what I did to entertain myself because I had no friends. <laughs> but um, I did so. But then, for a long time, I didn't write any fiction because I thought I had to get a job, you know, and support myself. So um,
1: I've heard of that. Yeah.
3: Unfortunately, supporting no myself became so tedious that I had to write a novel again. <laughs> and so that's when I, I started working on Ash, in 2000 fall 2001.
1: Oh that's a while ago.
3: Yeah I was still in grad school then and then I was working full time and I it was you know writing a book while you're working full time takes a long time.
1: Now did you work with writers groups or in writers programs like Clarion or workshops and stuff or is it pretty much on just on your own? I did
3: some workshops when I was in college and in grad school um, but I wrote the book Ash all on my own. I didn't have any writers groups and I I didn't even really know about Clarion until <laughs> until uh I had already found an agent. So I would have gone had I known.
1: <laughs> and now I was sort of interested in Chaz also cuz we have a sort of similar background in in that he I mean I wrote for romance magazines long before i ever got published as a science fiction writer i've done that
2: and you've written all sorts of crap right
1: so give me some idea of how it happened
2: with you um i was always 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 going to be a writer um my, my, my big sister taught me to read when i was three i don't remember that i do remember when i was about five suddenly understanding that these lovely things called books were written by people and it was a job and you were allowed to do it Um, and that's, you know, that was my goal thereafter. Um, and then when I was 17, I went to university, and when I was 18, I quit. Um, and went home and needed an income, needed to support myself somehow. And I just wanted to be a writer. So I looked around for something I could write that people would pay me for. And I had a kid sister, blessedly. I had a 15 year old sister who was reading lots of teenage romance. Um, So I picked up some of the magazines and looked at them and thought, well, I could write that. And went sort of trotting upstairs to my little portable typewriter. For yes, I am that old. Typewriters. Now, what was Um,
1: teenage romance? It's like manga?
2: No, 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 no. Um, um, Sort of three, four page picture scripts of teenagers falling in love and falling out and boy gets girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl back again. Okay, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and, yeah, so I wrote one of those and sent it to one of the magazines and they sent me a check practically by return of post. 36 pounds in 1977. It was a fortune. Wow, that's <laughs> a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I live, I, li- I, I was a professional writer from that day. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, I lived off writing for the teenage magazines and women's magazines and children's comics and that whole I mean, you couldn't do it now. The th- most most of the magazines that were published, certainly in the UK, for teenagers, don't have fiction anymore. And I was always a fi- I I only ever wrote fiction. Um but the, in those days there were there were there were plenty of opportunities and I I, I just used them all. Um and lived off magazines for five years until I got a commission for my first novel.
1: Cool. Well, that's that's interesting. And you teach writing? Um, yeah.
2: I don't anymore. I did for a while. Um, I was writer in residence at my local university because they have a an, an MA in creative writing. Um, and I was, so I was writing in residence for a year, and then they kind of wouldn't let me go because um, actually i I was never a teacher. If you give me a class of people and say, teach them how to write character I, I I have no idea where to begin i can't i I don't have the vocabulary um I can't talk about my process in any way that makes sense to anybody else uh-huh. um but if you give me a student and a text, then we're gold. I can do that um so yeah I tutorials are my thing. Um, and I, I, sure. they, they they kept me for years before they finally let me go but I'm not I'm not a teacher I'm
1: all right and, and with, with you in journalism how did that work out did you have you abandoned journalism or are you still doing <laughs> it
3: I um I would love to write more you know non-fiction cultural criticism honestly but it's kind of like I have to write another book novel first because that's what pays me right now. So, you know, I haven't abandoned it. I would totally go back. I don't think I'd ever do the same kind again. I was an entertainment reporter for a long time and I'm kind of tired of that beat.
1: <laughs> what, what was the beat, like rock and um, roll or movies? No, or it like?
3: was the representation. I worked for this, the the main gig I ended up getting was a managing editor at AfterEllen.com, which is owned by Logo, which is owned by MTV, and we covered um, representations of queer women in entertainment. So I watched a lot of TV and films and music and so wrote about celebrities.
1: After <laughs> Ellen. Oh, I get it. Yep. So it's it's After Ann Hesh or is it? <laughs> no, it's After
3: yeah. Ellen, not After Anne.
1: Oh, okay. That would
3: be a different website <laughs> <Okay>. entirely. <laughs> right. Yes. Cool. All right.
1: So, so yeah, I think you said at one point in your blog that yeah that you were doing a number on the whole Cinderella thing, and then you decided that the does the prince show up?
3: Yes. Or what happens? Well, I the mean, prince is in the scene. I read. Yeah. He just he's kind of like a walk-on character. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, the, he's the guy with the scarf. Yes. Okay. I, he
3: was actually. He wore a uh, dirty shirt, right? He did. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I. In the first draft, I have to tell you, she falls in love with the prince, but that draft really was kind of sucky. And I showed it to a friend of mine, and she was like, there's no chemistry between Ash and the prince. (laughs) Ash really likes this other chick.
1: (laughs) So it wasn't a political (laughs) thing, it was just... It It just got sprung on you.
3: Yeah. I mean, the way I wrote, I mean, Kaisa was in the first draft, and so everybody was was there. It was just I didn't quite understand what was going on. (laughs) (laughs) So So they came out. Yes. (laughs) Well, that's
1: interesting. All right. So, uh, and then uh, uh, my other question about this book is the hunt. Is it before the ball, after the ball? How does the, how does it relate to, I don't remember, I've read Cinderella, but I don't remember her on a horse, (laughs) and I don't remember, um, you know, I have no deer season in Kentucky, there's a bow season, but there's no sword season. (laughs) So how did all that play out?
3: Well, you know, in the the Charles Perrault version of Cinderella, she goes to three balls. So in this book, she does go to three balls. There is a ball after the hunt. So the first hunt takes place, I mean, the first ball takes place the night of the, fir- of the opening hunt, essentially. Then there's two more balls, and she does go to them. All right. Yeah. I just am not that interested in balls. and. <laughs> <laughs> Do you hunt? Yeah.
1: Do you like to hunt?
3: I have never gone hunting. I realize what that sounded like. Um, <laughs> I, I have never gone hunting, but I would. I would totally go hunting.
1: All right. Okay. All right, before we I also have a couple I have I have a uh, a more literary question. Um
3: but we can continue to go down that other road if you want.
1: Well, I'm I'm not opposed to it, but I um but I was interested I when when you were reading Chess, seriously there's a sort of an incantory quality to it. It was it was a little different from normal narrative. Uh I Yada. mean, do you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's kind of, it's almost, and I liked it a lot, but it's more like, it's like, um, I'm not even quite sure. Did other people notice this? I'm not even quite sure. It was, it had a sort of a inventory feeling to it, almost like a list rather than a, a serial narrative. And, and uh, do you, I mean, I know you don't have the vocabulary and can't yep. explain that, but give it yep. a shot.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've always been... Fascinated by language, language is the tool that we have to communicate with, and I think it's I think it's a tragedy if um, fiction is allowed simply to follow plot um, ah. it's about ah um it's about celebrating the language. Within the story um language is crucially important it's and story st- uh, language carries story uh, it's about rhythm and vocabulary of course but but uh, yeah, it's about sound and yeah incantation if you like um it's da 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 da. um every 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 writer develops their voice um and mine is. <laughs> <laughs> um ah highly textured. Um All Right. No, but, I mean you could lyrical, say that. I, I would go, I would go with lyrical. I I get to, I get upset when people t- describe it as poetic um because 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 there is this thing that happens where poetry is seen as the apex of literary achievement um and prose inherently seen as something lesser um i mean we, we can we, you can see that in the language if you say something's poetic it's a compliment if you say something's prosaic it's an insult and i resent that bitterly um so yeah it's i mean i there's a there is a saying again which i'm of which i am very resentful that um prose writers uh pro, writing prose is about putting words into the right order where poetry is about putting the right words into the right order and again you know i am viciously angry about that um i take as much care over over my, every single one of my words as a poet does um despite the fact that i have so many more of them <laughs>
1: <laughs> right no that that makes sense i like that but i mean you can say that about every writer you know i mean maybe it, every writer I see that in Melinda too you pay a lot of the words are what it's made out of yeah, and yeah, and absolutely. how they're chosen but and but there's a a um uh may, maybe what I'm trying to get at is there's a there's a way in which um most narrative fiction is about moving a plot along. Yeah, I And know. yours is about Ugh. maybe taking a plot here and then, and maybe it's a way of stations of plot instead of. Um, I don't know. No, do I not mean plot think? is
2: plot is important. Plot matters, but story. Story is about what people do. Plot is, is an el- um, um, if you get the characters right, then the plot will happen because the people will do, what what they would naturally do, and that's, that's plot. Um, but th- a book is so much more than that. And and if you take the time to give the language its own texture, then the book is enriched and deepened. And, All right. Um, yeah. I'll buy yeah. that. What do you think? Uh,
3: um, well, I guess that...
1: I mean, you wrote your first novel. And it was a. Di- and I know I've written a novel. I know that uh, plot is difficult. You know, I mean,
3: it is difficult.
1: And maybe there's a. I don't know. How did you? Was that the hard part, or you know, everything was hard about this. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs>
3: I think I, I worked on this book for eight years. <laughs> um, and I wrote my second novel in one year. Yeah, that that's, was, that's the way, that's it, the works, way it goes, yeah. right? And But writing the second novel was a totally eye-opening experience because I learned the, that thing, yeah. that every single word is important. Yeah. And the plot is important, too, but, I mean, the words are what make it happen. Yeah, right. So, I mean, for the second novel, I did it less to a lesser extent with Ash, but with the second novel, I swear, I looked up... The word fear and all of its i had this i got the best thesaurus in the world and i swear i looked that category up every day every single day and it was and i still don't remember what is in there but i look it up every time the word comes up because i i don't know why it's suddenly like stuck in my head that yes every single word i choose is important and it has to have a meaning beyond what it looks like right there I don't know if that lesson will stick with me, (laughs) but uh, it was a difficult lesson to learn for book two anyway. But I mean, the one I just finished.
1: (laughs) Oh. Anybody else? Yeah. Uh,
0: For Chaz, I did appreciate I did appreciate the incantatory quality of your prose. I really enjoyed it. Something else that was rather intriguing and that we don't see as much of in a lot of writing these days is very meditative. It takes time
2: to think. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Meditation. Thank you. Meditate. Um my my put down at all. <laughs> no. As a, as a I yeah. love that. Uh, my agent is always urging me to take that stuff out and <laughs> move the story on. <laughs> um she says she says American readers won't have the patience to go through that. Um I think she's wrong, you see. Damn right. yeah. Who's your agent? <laughs> <laughs> I shall not say, having really? just blasphemed against her. Oh, all right, all
1: right, all right. Huh? Does yeah. That, does that mean that she thinks
0: British?
2: Thinks what? That
0: non-Americans will
2: read. It? Um, I think she thinks that British fiction moves at a slower pace. Well, we
1: all know the Brits will read anything. <laughs>
2: Thank you, Terry. <laughs> Why would you mean no, that I'm that teasing. Can read? <laughs> <laughs> and possibly even think. <laughs> yeah.
0: But yeah. Terry, one of the wonderful things about that is novels are so
2: good at going inside and being
0: meditative. Yeah. You know, if I want
2: things, just give me I'll go to movie the movies. I'll watch a show. Exactly. I've, I, I once sat at a dinner party, a dinner table that was entirely surrounded by film students. And uh, There were film students and me, and I said, books matter, movies don't.
1: <laughs>
2: oh. You're Two a real hours di- later. You're a real
1: diplomat, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
2: Two hours later, we were still at it. But I think I honestly do think um, that a book speaks more deeply to the human mind because it engages the human mind more deeply because everybody reads different everybody sees the same movie mm-hmm. everybody reads a different book because you bring so much of your own imagination to what the text is giving you it's a, it's a a book is a collaborative process between the writer and the reader and that matters that seems somewhat true but but don't
0: give him your royalty
1: <laughs> here's, a, yeah, here's a, tell me who said this Writers love the short story the way photographers love black and white, for its power and for its precision. It's the distilled spirit of narrative, the pure thing, undiluted, art-stripped naked, undefended, on show and on its own. As such, it's got to be worth fighting for. This is from somebody who likes the short story. I said that. You did? (laughs) I did. I remember it. Can you defend it?
2: Does it need defending? I thought it was obvious. <laughs> oh, it says
1: writers love the short story. That's yeah. true. Readers I, I hate the
2: short, write short story. stories.
3: Oh, you don't write short stories? I have written them, one. <laughs> 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 um, I, I one. don't know how to write them. I, I mean, I'm sure I can yeah, learn. It's, you can it's learn.
2: It's a process. Um, if I had gone f- to
3: Clarion, I'd probably know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 You'd have to know, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah my, my, f-
2: my friend Val McDermott spent years saying, I can't write short stories, I don't have the short story mind, I can't work in that format, in that length, da 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 da, da. Um, until I bullied her into writing a short story for an <laughs> anthology. Um, and then she said, "Oh, I quite like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she wrote another one and ooh, won an award for it, and, and now you can't stop her. She said. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, yeah, and, I mean, I... I, I
1: I like that I, quote. I was. Uh, Thank I, you. I, I think it's very good because I'm. I think of myself primarily as a short story writer right. myself, and um, I think I've said this before, but to me, a short story is like you can hold it all in RAM at one time, you know, and it's like, <laughs> and it's like uh, to me, it was like working. It's like working on a car. You got a problem, you fix it, but uh, a novel. I just finished a novel, and I, you have to write a few novels. But a novel to me is like farming. It's like every day you go out to the field and it looks and pretty much drought. the same, you know. <laughs> it doesn't change much from day to day. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, That's
1: Every true. goddamn day, you know. And uh, so it's different, you know. I'm not sure if I believe it's the the distilled spirit of narrative.
2: Hey, you know, I had to produce some something short and sharp for a website or right, something. Okay. Anyway, but um, but I I agree it's writers' Not all writers love
1: the short story. I don't think. uh, I wouldn't say. But anyway, I I do do agree that it has a. I'm not. The other thing I would disagree with. I Uh think short stories are not always narrative. Sometimes they're just a moment. Absolutely. Sometimes you can do a short story without narrative, and if you do a novel without narrative, you're in big fucking trouble. (laughs) You know. But a short story, you can kind of get away with it. You know. Mm -hmm. That's my feeling. Yeah.
2: Yeah, couldn't that.
1: But, I mean, this is for the internet, so yes. you have to say something. <laughs> exactly. You know? Anybody else? Oh come on. <laughs>
0: okay. Speaking of the, the internet, uh, I read uh, Mr. Chaz's log uh, journal um, blog, and I uh, took a quick look at Ms. Melinda's and I noticed that both had at least some bits of food. <laughs> so yeah. I was just curious to know. Uh, what is your current uh, favorite comfort food that you make? And a brief description about
2: it. There
3: you go. Uh, <laughs> my current favorite comfort food that I make. Well, recently, this fall, I discovered this. Um, Pork chili recipe that was really good. you get uh, three pounds of pork loin and you cook it very slowly in a, a cast iron oven Dutch oven for about three hours and it is really good i I, I should have taken pictures of it we 've done it like two or three times this winter and you eat it with um this cumin spiced polenta. Ooh. So you put the polenta mm-hmm. in a bowl and then you pour the chili around because by then after it's cooked for three hours, you know, it's thickened and the pork has like crumbled. Yeah. yeah. And it's oh, it's yeah. so good.
1: Yeah. Mm. Now this is a woman that went to Stanford and wrote a thesis on a cookbook, I think, or something like Chinese
3: that. Chinese cookbooks <laughs> in America. Yeah. That was cool. my master's thesis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a,
1: a cultural history of
2: cookbooks. So yes. she knows what she <laughs> Yeah. Um yeah, I was I was going to I was going to say that um my, my automatic reversion for comfort food is a pork chili. Um, but I won't, I, won't, I won't do that now. The other, the other great comfort cook-wise is bread. I love to make bread. Um, and at the moment, if, if somebody would offer me a career as a baker, I would just I would grab it. Um, I would love to spend all day just making different breads. It would make me very, very happy and be so much easier than writing novels.
1: <laughs> it would indeed, wouldn't it? Yeah, you had your hand raised, you have to say something. <laughs> Anybody else?
3: Yeah, please. I wonder what inspired you to write It's very embarrassing, it was my favorite fairy tale when Yay. I was a kid. <laughs> yes. And the what? Oh, yes. (laughs) Six-year-olds know nothing. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, no one retold it. I love Robin McKinley's fairy tale retellings, you know, and she never retold Cinderella, and I always wished she would, but she never did. I mean, she still could, but I kind of don't think it's her kind of fairy tale to retell. So then I I did my version. Please. I have a a bit more of a comment than a question, Melinda. I, I don't have any idea whether you intended it this way, but I really enjoyed your story as an antidote to the vampire boyfriend motif, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I felt that in context, the you know this 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 powerful ancient otherworldly lover was seen as, you know, the snare and illusion and and you know, and easy way out. Um, uh-huh. That that whereas the hard choice is to be human. Oh yes. So, I just thank you interesting well, did you intend that <laughs> um you know when i sold my book to little brown that was the first time i realized that twilight existed uh, it was literally i was on the plane to go fly to new york to meet my editor and i was in the airport and i'm like what this Twilight book that's everywhere <laughs> and I picked it up and I'm like oh it's published by my new publisher and so they, I asked for a copy when I met my editor and they gave I read it on the way back and after reading that I was like wow my book is the opposite of this
2: <laughs> there you go <laughs> right.
3: so I guess I intended it I hadn't heard of Twilight before I wrote it but yeah, it worked out that specifically
0: way of that, but that's the best example mm-hmm,
3: absolutely thing. yeah what?
0: Um, uh, I don't know how germane this is to the, the at hand. I don't know how germane this is to the discussion at hand. But while you were reading I got such a sense of place and it was like this while you're reading I had like this movie unrolling in my head and I could see everything and to me it was it was really clothed in like fifteenth century garb. 15th century. <laughs> <laughs> so it made me wonder what kind of historical research did you do? to help you uh, evoke, uh, you know, scenes at court and the huntress and what they would do at a hunt and everything. So I'm kind of interested in what actual research you did in terms of real life things happening uh-huh. with the, the court that kind of uh, impinged on your story.
3: Well I did read about um, history of women in 16th century uh, England, actually. To that was I did a bunch of reading about that to think about the role of the stepmother in the book. and. Um, I also did a lot of reading about the medieval hunt. And, uh, uh, you know, in, like Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, all those, those poems are situated as a love chase. And I really liked that symbolism. So I did read about medieval hunting and what they did during the hunts. Um, as for court life, I didn't really do any research because I'd read fantasy novels my whole life and I <laughs> kind of was like I'll just make up stuff and uh I, so, and they don't really go to court that much so it wasn't really a big deal uh in that area but so I did do some historical research but actually the the like land that they're riding through and the woods and everything I have to say are the woods up in Marin mm-hmm. yeah so I don't I know. I did read a lot of them. I read a lot of them, and then I read a lot of criticism of them. So There's a
1: body know. of Cinderella criticism? <laughs> oh, of yes. oh, yes. Most of it.
2: Okay. All right. because I've been talking up this event and
0: talking to people who are, who are clued into how very much is wrong with the story of Cinderella. And I was positing it. And let's just say she finds that, you know, she doesn't have to settle for pretty <laughs>
3: be a princess charming come along the route and everybody was like, Oh I'd much rather read about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh Well, I I wondered if someone would ask that. It's not really a Cinderella. I mean, it's in that same category, but it is a story. It's a retelling of Donkey Skin, which is a little bit different because, you know, it starts off with the father raping his daughter, which is not really what happens in Cinderella. <laughs> so, I love Deer Skin. It's a wonderful wonderful book. Deer Skin? What's Deer Skin? It's, it's by Robin McKinley. McKinley. Oh,
1: okay. All right. Which I've always thought
0: of more as Cinderella. But
2: I
1: must admit I haven't read that. Oh. Cool. Well, thank you, guys. We've had uh, a very interesting excursion into high fantasy tonight. And some beautiful writing and some great reading. Thank you. Thank you. Belinda Long, Shaz Thank you.